The following is recorded for Marine Creek Church. If you have any questions, feel free to visit our website at www.marinecreekchurch.com. Good morning. How are we? All right. We ready? It's good to see you guys this morning. I love y'all. I'm excited about the day. It's going to be a heavy day, though. It's going to be a, this is a difficult subject. I'm going to go ahead and give that disclaimer. Um, we are going to be talking about a very sensitive topic. We're going to be talking about sex. Um, so if you've got kids and want to keep them in here, you're more than welcome to. Um, uh, he's covering Kaya's eyes already. Um, or if, uh, if you want, uh, Creek Kids is talking about respect today, um, and I'm sure they would love that. Um, but uh, we're, we're, we've got to deal with some, some topics that I think uh, in the church we tend to shy away from. And so uh, we're, we're going to do that. So um, uh, I'm Pastor Matt. I'm glad you're here. If this is your first time, as Adam said, there is a guest card in the in the pocket in front of you, and uh, we'd love to get some information from you so we can get some information to you. See, I can do that. Um, I've had enough time to transition. Um, but uh, last week, I gave an update on our foundations campaign that we launched November of 2012, and uh, I shared with you that uh, at that point, 52 families had committed uh, and made a pledge um, that with, above their ties uh, to be faithful and obedient of $387,000. Um, so 52 families committed, said over the next three years, we can, we can pledge $387,000. I told you last week that what has come in so far, just over halfway through that campaign is $444,000. Um, now I did get this question afterwards. So does that mean we can stop? No, you made a commitment that (laughs) keep going with your commitment. Um, and what the reason that that number is higher than the committed amount is we've had growth at the Creek and and new people have gotten on board with that, that uh, campaign. So nice try on that. Um, but I, I've also had some of you ask about specific items to give to. And, and we've got an a, a identified list of about $25,000 of FF&E. If you don't know what FF&E is, it's a business term, you know, in the construction world. I've done so much construction over the last three months. I'm just, this is drawing from a three-month project to a six-month project. So um, I don't know if I can put that on my resume or not, but... Uh, um, FFE means furniture, fixtures, and equipment. So those are uh, things that, that, that are going to go in that uh, we would love to be able to do a push as a church and, and get about 25000 of that paid for before we move in um, and get that taken care of before the end of the month. And uh, that does go towards your pledge. I mean, I'm just answering questions because if I get questions, chances are multiple people have the same questions. So um, if I can cover that from, from the platform and we can all be on the same page together, and uh, I'm excited about it. We are in the four to six week window. Yes, I know I've been saying that now for almost three months. Um, <laughs> trust me, um, I'm the one that's probably the hardest on it, but we are praying for favor with TxDOT. Um, we need to get the driveway approaches approved and uh, uh, we are hoping to get word back from them any day now. Um, so uh, if you can be praying for that and if you know anybody at TxDOT, why don't you see me in the coffee bar after service? <laughs> Um, I'm not going to send anybody to pay them a visit. I will call them. I will be nice and pray for favor and ask them. I'll even tuck my shirt in if I go meet with them. Um, Heather knows if I've got a meeting at the city because I tuck my shirt in. I'm like, yep, this is my, my I need grace attire. Um, so we're, on, uh, we're doing our spiritual uh, warfare series called The War Within. And uh, this week we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 5. So if you've got your Bible, meet me there. If you don't have a Bible, we have some on the ends of the rows for you if you don't own one. Uh, that is our gift to you. Write your name in it. We've ordered more Bibles, so when we'll have new Bibles coming in. And uh, so we want everybody to have a Bible. And um, you can also find it on your smartphone, smart device, um, 
I don't think you can do it on a dumb phone, but um, for those of you who have Androids, you can try it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that was all to Pastor Trinity right there. So he's got a phone. Um, <laughs> today we're talking about fighting for your life, and it, 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 I should have titled it Fighting for Your Love Life um, because the, the reality is uh, so many of us... Um, whether you're married or not, this is going to apply for you because if you're married, you're in, already engaged in the fight for your life and for your love life. If you're single, um, divorced, uh, whatever that is, and, and you, marriage is something that you are going to be going into in the future, you need to be starting. You need to fight, be fighting now uh, for your love life. And the, the reality is, is we live in a very hypersexual society. Um, the images and, and the ideas and thoughts of sex and all of this that comes at us and and the way society tries to define our relationships and, and everything that, that, that all the input that comes in can be very confusing on how to reconcile what the Christian life is, what the Christian walk is in terms of my sexuality and in terms of what God's design for sex is. And, and really, there's, there's, this, there's, a, there's a thing that, that's hard to balance what the world says versus what the Word of God says. And, and I hope today that we deal with some of those issues and that you realize that there is a war. Um, you have an enemy that seeks to steal from you, kill you, and destroy the work of God in your life. Uh, those of you who are married, the enemy is seeking to destroy the sex that you have in your marriage, in, in your romantic life, your sex life, uh, all of the intimacy that God has designed you uh, to engage in. The enemy is trying to steal that from you, rob that from you, and, and really kill it. And, and destroy it, distort it, and, and just twist it. This is going to be a tough sub- subject, I, I know. Um, there is help uh, available, and there is, uh, there's going to be people in the prayer room standing by. Um, that is going to be confidential. Um, let me just tell you, because I know it's a little difficult, but it, here's, here's how you can get help. If you don't want to walk to the prayer room, um, because maybe the enemy is trying to put some shame on you, or you're, just, you're like, I don't want people to know, um, there's an email address. Uh, info at marinecreekchurch.com. Um, that's going to go to three people, and those three people are going to help you. Um, we're going to get you connected. If if you feel less comfortable sending it to info, then you email to matt, M-A-T-T, at marinecreekchurch.com. I'm going to get you help, whether that's connecting you with our freedom ministry, and that's where it's going to start, to be honest with you, because there's a spiritual element we got to deal with. Um, we will help get you into counseling. There's some seminars coming up. Um, and we'll get into dealing with all that here in a few minutes. A um, couple questions that, that came in over the week. Uh, a question was, is it a sin to be tempted? And uh, I'm going to answer that for you. No, it is not a sin to be tempted. The sin happens when we get on that train and ride it all the way to death. Um, and that's where the, the temptation train's going to go. You see, what happens is the enemy starts to plant thoughts and, and, and ideas in our mind. And, and how does he do that? He does that through media. He does that through advertising. I mean, today we're talking about a sexuality and, and sex. And how does the enemy do that? I mean, look at commercials, um, Facebook posts, uh, just, just pop-ups that happen. One of the quickest ways and one of the most common ways for people to get caught in a pornography trap online is pop-ups. And, and you just look at how the enemy starts to plant those thoughts. It's not a sin to be tempted in that regard. The sin happens when we, when we decide to get on board that train and ride it to the end. And its ultimate destination is death. 
And so the enemy is going to try to get you tempted in any way he can. He's going to try to do that. I mean, it is just incredible how many messages and media and images he is planting in society and throwing at us. And so it's not a, a sin to be tempted. We will be tempted. And so we've got to understand that. Um, so Proverbs chapter 5, and then getting into dealing with this, uh, this is Solomon writing uh, some wisdom. He's writing this to his sons and his son, but, but let, me, let me encourage you. This is wisdom, not just for his son, but for all of us today. So the, what we've got to do is take away some things. If you see the heading on this, it says warning against adultery. Okay, let's deal with this. Let's understand what, what we're getting ready to get into. Adultery is the seventh commandment. Um, you know, thou shalt not. So thou shalt not commit adultery. So really the, 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 the definition is in the context of marriage, having an affair whether that be a man or a woman. It's, out, it's an extramarital affair. Um, let's go into further definition of that because Jesus really expands that definition in Matthew chapter five. Um, he's given the Sermon on the Mount, uh, the, the Beatitudes. And so let me read to you what he says, Matthew chapter five, verse 27. You have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So Jesus expands it, not just the physical act of stepping out on your marriage, but Jesus expands that. The word he uses here is called porneia. And he deals with this in other sections of scripture. Porneia comes from, the, it's a Greek word. Um, we get the, the American word porn from it or pornography. And so let's understand what this means. The lexicon, the Greek lexicon uh, defines it as an extramarital, unlawful, or unnatural sexual intercourse. Uh, the definition also speaks of idolatry. When we think of pornography, pornography is a form of idolatry. Uh, when you think about adultery and pornography, adultery would be uh, Old Testament definition, stepping out on your marriage uh, spouse or on, on your spouse would be physically using someone's body for sexual pleasure. Pornography is using an image for sexual pleasure. And Jesus says they're one and the same. They're both sin. They're sexual sin. And Paul tells us that that sexual sin is a sin against our own body. I mean, God gave us a body. He gave us a soul and he gave us a spirit. And he says, when you, when you sin against God's design for sex, you're sinning against yourself. You're sinning against your own body. Now let's understand what God's design for sex is. It, it is biblically defined as a man and a woman in the covenant of marriage. That's God's design for sex. That's where God designed our intimacy and that's God's desire for us. And so I know that, that there's a lot of lines that get blurred. I get that there's a lot of gray areas, but that's from society's perspective. Um, I, hear, I hear people say that God needs to update. He needs to get a little bit more culturally relevant. Um, God's eternal. God doesn't need to be culturally relevant. He's eternal and his design. And yes, is that very closed? It is. But that's God's design. And, and, and I hear this, I was in youth ministry and, and, you know, puberty hits, hormones go crazy. And I would hear youth, why did God have to design it that way? God didn't put the marriage wall around sex to rob us of pleasure. He did it to increase it and to protect it. You see, God's got a design. Whether or not you realize this or not, God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for your entire life. 
God has a plan for your romantic life. God has a plan for your intimacy, and, and it is good. But God designed it this way so that it could happen in the covenant of marriage so that he could bless it, and he's not trying to keep something from us. He's not trying to, to rob us from something. He wants us to experience the best in life, and that means we're fully submitted to him and following him. Now, the enemy is going to get in and starts to... Uh, distort this, twist this. He wants to kill this because when we have healthy marriages, when we have healthy relationships, when we have a healthy sex life within our marriage, man, it's, it's just an incredible thing and the enemy hates that. Why? Because it's a joy. And so he gets in, one of the ways he, he gets in and, and deals with this is he masquerades as an angel of light, the apostle Paul said. And, and what, that, what that means is he comes in and he, he has an appearance of the truth. He wants to blind us to the truth. And he'll kind of track with some things on truth, but then there's a distortion. But the reality is, is that train that the enemy's coming with leads to death. God leads to life. When you look at it this way, I, and I, I'm just going to call it like it is, we're going to see Solomon talk about a woman here. I don't believe he's just talking about one woman in the physical sense. I believe he's dealing with the spirit of lust. And when you think about this, Uh, love leads to life and lust leads to death. You know, in the context of our marriage, uh, it's making love. The only way we can make love is in the covenant marriage that God can bless. Otherwise, we're making lust and it leads to death. And the enemy always wants us uh, to, to fall into that trap so that he can kill us because the ultimate goal is our destruction. For God, the ultimate goal, our reconciliation and our redemption. When we did the moving series, I explained to you that, that God is always taking us from somewhere to somewhere or from something to something. The enemy does the exact same thing. Just as God takes us from despair into hope, from, from, from despair to joy, from death to life, the enemy is trying to get us to go from life to death. If you think about it in context of the, the, with the spirit of lust, and the way he attacks our sexuality and he attacks God's design for sex, he wants us to go from love to lust. And he's always going to take us from somewhere. So let's get in and look at Solomon and what he says to his son and and let's glean some of the wisdom. We're going to talk about some things that's going to go from and to in this chapter, Proverbs chapter five. Solomon says, my son, pay attention to my wisdom. Solomon was wisest man in the world. He's got wisdom. Listen well to my words of insight that you may maintain discretion and your lips may preserve knowledge. For the lips of an adulteress drip honey. Her speech is smoother than oil. This is a reference that you, you, you hear, you're gonna see how the, the spirit of lust can sometimes masquerade as the angel of light so that it sounds like the word of God. Because David said, your word is like honey on my lips, Lord. It's so sweet. And the oil references to the Holy Spirit, that there's something satisfying about this. But in the end, she is as bitter as gall. Sharp as a double-edged sword. We're told that scripture is sharper than any two-edged sword. It allows us to rightly define the truth. So you can see where this masquerade is coming in. You can see where the spirit of lust, when it comes on, there's, there's sweetness. It feels like this should be right. I mean, it's like a double-edged sword and then all of a sudden we get cut with it. 
Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave. She gives no thought to the way of life. Her paths are crooked, but she knows it not. How does that differ from God's paths? Okay, when you start breaking this down, the angel light and the lies that he brings to deceive, you see, God says, when you put all your hope, all your faith, all your trust, when you lean not on your understanding but in mine, I will make your path straight. And God's going to lead us in the path that leads to life, not to death, not to the grave. You see, that's where God rescues us from. And so we get, we get trapped in this. We really go from sweetness to bitterness is what, what Solomon's saying. That, that there is a, a pleasure in this, but all of a sudden it turns into this condemnation and, and she is just luring you in just so she can take you to the grave. Do you see the enemy's scheme in this? That whether that's an image, whether that's a thought, I, I have been in counseling sessions with, with couples that um, are dealing with issues of pornography and how pornography starts out as something sweet. But in the end, it just starts... It starts becoming a poison and a toxin to the person because it's a sin against our own body. And then it, it just becomes a toxic mess to our relationship and our marriage. Can I tell you that, that I have sat with men who have lost multiple marriages due to an addiction to pornography. I've sat with counseling uh, couples that the marriage is, is just barely hanging on because of a physical affair or an emotional affair. You see, the enemy knows exactly how to attack. And this isn't just men. When we talk about the spirit of lust, it's not just men. And men, we can fall into it easy because you know, men, all it takes to get our mind thinking about sex is just breathing. I mean, we wake up and it just happens. I don't know. I mean, uh, we, we do have that nothing box in our mind where when our, my wife says, what do you think about nothing? Do you know that? It, it feels like it has this direct attachment to sex though. I mean, it's like I can be thinking about nothing, but then all of a sudden be thinking about sex and I got to get in there and go, wait a second, where's this going? Where's this going? But it's also an issue that the enemy is attacking women as well. The pornography industry is a multi-billion dollar industry in the United States the fastest growing segment that they're marketing to is women. A great resource I'm going to give you, you can write it on your sheet. It's xxxchurch.com, xxxchurch.com. Helps create boundaries. There's great information on there. There's help. It's confidential. You can, you can protect your devices. You can create accountability. But they have a page that has a lot of stats on it. 38% of women in the church regularly visit pornographic websites. I'm not saying 38% at the creek. I'm saying in the church. I hope it's a lot lower. I hope it's none, but let's deal with the reality of the society we live in. 80% of women said that when their husbands regularly view pornographic websites, that it makes them feel demeaned, disrespected, and that they can't live up to the expectations of their husband sexually. Men weren't asked that question, but I can guarantee you that men are going to feel the same way because it's outside of the context. See, what starts out as sweetness quickly turns to bitterness. What starts out as something that seems to fulfill becomes something that quickly depletes everything we've got. And Solomon is saying, look, look, this spirit, when this spirit comes at you and you give in to this, 
it's going to be fun for a season, but eventually it's going to wrap you up. Eventually it's going to take you into bitterness. It's going to take you into condemnation, into guilt, into shame, into despair, which is exactly where the enemy wants to take you from righteousness to. Let me give you some advice. Have some wisdom. You ever have those, you ever see situations and you're like, I know where this is going? I mean, it, it, wisdom is knowing where the train is going before you buy the ticket. Wisdom is knowing before you go there where this is going to end up because so many people never thought that it would end up this bad. The sessions that I have with, with married uh, couples and individuals that they never expected it would end up in divorce. They never expected it would end up in this kind of a mess. And most people don't think they're ever gonna get caught. The enemy lies to us and think they're just stupid. They got caught. You're smarter than that. It will catch up. I gotta tell you, it creates baggage, incredible baggage. One of the things that, that I have to deal with in my premarital counseling sessions with a young man and young woman that are getting ready to get married and, and they're tracking towards marriage and we start talking about the baggage that comes into the relationship. Can I tell you that, that kids deal with incredible baggage caused by divorce? Kids deal with incredible baggage caused by infidelity in the marriage. Because whether or not you think you've hid it from them in a perfect way, they know. It comes out. And Solomon's like, heed my wisdom. The wisdom I give you is for the preserving of your life. Don't let yourself fall into this trap. Let's go on, verse seven. Now then, my sons, listen to me and do not turn aside from what I say. Keep a path far from her. Do not go near the door of her house, lest you give your best strength to others and your years to one who is cruel. Lest strangers feast on your wealth and your toil and rich another man's house. At the end of your life, you will groan when your flesh and body are spent. You will say, how I hated discipline, how my heart spurned correction. I would not obey my teachers or listen to my instructors. I have come to the brink of utter ruin in the midst of the whole assembly. What Solomon is saying is it will go from loss or from gain to loss. This man is experiencing his, he's toiling for his wealth that goes to someone else. I don't, if you've been through a divorce, you understand the child support. I don't understand how all that works, but you are working and giving that money away. And, and if you pay in child support, let me tell you something, you better be paying it. Don't neglect your kids that way. You might be fighting with your ex-spouse, but don't throw your kids in the middle. That is, see me in the coffee bar if that's your case. We'll talk about it. I'll give, you my, I'll give you some wisdom on that. It's gonna go from gain to loss. You see, the enemy, the way he tempts us, temptation always shows the upside, right? If he showed the downside, do you think people are gonna take the bait? No. I went fish fly fishing for the first time this spring and it was, it was awesome. I had a great time. We were on the men's expedition camp out and I had this rod and you put this fly on the end. It's a fly lure and you sit there with this just methodical, just... And you get it going and the fly hits the top of the water and you pull it back and you just keep doing that. And all of a sudden, 
I mean, I did that for almost the entire weekend. I was like, this doesn't work. Oh, why am I doing this? But I just look, I just look cool and I feel cool. I'm standing in the river and I'm like, I, I was thinking Robert Redford should be up there. And like, I, I mean, you know, and all this. And I'm just like, and all of a sudden, bam, trout hits my fly. I was like, yes. So I'm getting it up to the shore. That's exactly what the enemy does. He's going to keep casting that bait on the water. And then all of a sudden when we bite, he's got us hooked. And we're going from gain to loss. We look at that fly, we're like, hmm, that's a meal. The next thing we know, he's got us in his grips. And it's going to cost us. You see, sin is the most expensive thing in the world. And the temptation comes uh, with uh, the whole, you ever heard the greener grass mentality? The grass is greener on the other side of the fence. I heard one pastor say this about, uh, you know, looking after your neighbor. Your neighbor's grass may be much greener, but he said the caution of that is their septic tank might be leaking. <laughs> There's some wisdom for you. But in this passage, this man ends up giving his strength, his money, the best of his life, and he's toiling it. It cost him something. I, I did some research and, and spoke with a counselor this last week and did some research on, on online. And I'm going to give you two things. You're going to look at this. The average cost of counseling is 500 to 1,000 bucks. The average cost of a divorce is 15 to 20,000 dollars. Okay, let me talk to you about those are dollars, okay? Let me talk to you about this. This is if you have if you don't have insurance on the cost of counseling. If you have insurance, I know there's copays and different ones and and how much you're responsible for. But in talking with a counselor, the, the, it was an average of six sessions should get a couple on their way. Uh, anything more than that, and there's no progress, there's a, there's a weird dependent relationship going on uh, with the counselor, but um, six sessions, typically about 100 bucks a session, so on the low range, 600 bucks. Okay, that's what it would cost you, but both parties have to be willing to work on the marriage, and both parties have to go. I cannot describe to you the intangible benefits long-term of resolving, of dealing with forgiveness and reconciliation of the person you stood before the altar and before God and said, I'm making a covenant with. And somehow the enemy has tempted you and lied to you and deceived you into thinking you don't love that person anymore. I can't also tell you the long-term cost of divorce other than that when I talk to the kids that are getting married, I call them all kids. It doesn't matter how old they are. I'm old enough now I can call them kids. <laughs> They're getting married, the baggage from divorce. And the expectations coming into the marriage. And what, what some of our, what society and some of the news stories are saying is, let's do a two-year trial marriage. God doesn't do a two-year trial covenant. He cuts it and he said, it is done. It is finished once and for all forevermore. And I get that, I understand that we've got couples that have been through divorce and people that have been through divorce and there is grace and, and, and we want to walk through that healing with you. But please, please, please do not look at your marriage as something disposable. It goes from gain to loss. You see, this man at the end of his life was looking back on if only. If only I would have listened. If only I would have paid attention. And he's in utter ruin before the whole assembly. Can I tell you that God's grace covers our sin? And God's grace will cover our sin, our sexual sin, any sin that we have, if we repent. 
But God is a God of grace, but he's also a God of government. If we're unwilling to repent and experience his grace, his government says that we will reap what we sow. And at the end of this man's life, he is reaping what he has sown that went from pleasure to bitterness and from gain to loss. And then Solomon says it goes from purity to pollution. Verse 15, drink water from your own cistern, running water from your own well. Should your springs overflow in the streets and your streams of water in the public squares? Let them be yours alone, never to be shared with strangers. May your fountain be blessed and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth a loving doe, a graceful deer. May her breasts satisfy you always. May you ever be captivated by her love. Why be captivated, my son, by an adulteress? Why embrace the bosom of another man's wife? Solomon, basically, let me give you what he's saying. Drink from your own well. You don't need to go find that elsewhere. And he's saying, be captivated by the wife of your youth. Be locked in with her. Be so in love with her. Be infatuated with her. Some of this language is to be intoxicated and infatuated with the wife of your youth. He likens it to this. Uh, A marriage is like um, a healthy marriage in God's healthy design for our sexual relationship in our covenant marriages is like a deep river with pure water that gives life and refreshment. But sexual sin is like drinking from the sewer. And the enemy so deceives us and so gets us wrapped up that we're willing to drink the sewer and not even realize we're drinking it. Not knowing that it's poisoning us and it's becoming toxic to those around us. But see, the enemy wants to get us into this the stagnant, shallow water this river that Solomon's talking about and that, 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 that deep water is like a river that over time cuts deep valleys. What happens when a river constantly flows through the land? Who's shaping who? And there's depth and there's refreshment and there's nourishment and there's life in that relationship. And the enemy wants to deceive us and says, but this sewage is so much better. And it's a trap we all fall into. What I love, Solomon equates this to fresh living spring water in our marriage. The first public miracle Jesus performed was at a wedding. He turned water into wine. I can only think that over that time, God desires to give us the best. He wants the best for us. And the things that he is withholding is he's withholding for our safety. And we tend to want to chase after those. He says, but that will kill you. What I have brings life. And the marriage that he creates with us and brings us together, he says, I'm I'm going to transform that to wine so you can always be intoxicated by the wife of your youth. Heather and I have a joke. If, if She says, if you leave me, I'm going with you. And I say, if, I, if, if, if you leave me, I'm going with you. So we're trying to figure out where we're going to go together. <laughs> I love my wife. I love my wife so deeply because it's a love beyond what I can muster up. 
It's a love that goes beyond emotion. It's a love that gets into the spiritual context of covenant marriage that God has blessed us with. Is it easy? No. Does it have challenges? Yes. She'd be the first person to tell you that I can be a very difficult person to live with. But God has blessed us with deep, fresh water. And I would much rather be sustained by that than to let that pour out in the public square and take that fresh, pure water and send it down the gutter. But that means we've got to be on alert. We've got to be always prepared. We've got to be on our guard because it always leads from freedom to bondage. Let's finish it up. For a man's ways are in full view of the Lord and he examines all his paths the evil deed of a wicked man ensnare him. The cords of sin hold him fast. He will die for lack of discipline, led astray by his own great folly. When we go down this path, when we get on this train of thought, when temptation comes in that attacks God's design for sex, that tries to get us ensnared and wrapped up, it's cords of death. It's impossible to sin without being bound. And a lot of times we think, uh, no, I can do this. I, I, I can quit any time. When I deal with people who are, they're struggling just to go a day without falling prey to the addiction. And it, it, it starts small. Um, in, in, um, in recovery circles, the term is called chasing the dragon. And it's chasing the same feeling that we once had. See, we do that even in our, in our marriage. Because on the honeymoon, I'm telling you, physically and emotionally and spiritually, it's a high. And we start chasing that same thing instead of locking in and drawing close to God and close to each other. And so what happens is when the enemy gets us hooked with some type of sexual sin, there's pleasure for a season. But then we start chasing that pleasure and it always binds us up. It's impossible to sin without being bound up. And we willingly let these chains be put on and we're no longer able to fight. And we say, well, I can quit any time. The problem is when we think that, we've already been bound up by the chains of bondage. And we cannot break those chains on our own. We don't have the power to break those chains. We don't have the power to get out of that but there is one who does. And his name is Jesus, that at every, every knee will bow, every tongue confess that he is Lord. Even the demons are subject to him. Even this demon that is the spirit of lust that comes in, that tastes sweet at the beginning, that leads to bitterness, that wants to lead us from gain to loss, that wants to pollute the pure relationships that God has for us, that wants to bind us up in the sin, even that demon is subject to the authority and power and name of Jesus Christ. Why? Because sin will always cost you more than you have. And he is the only one who could bear it and he will not bear it again. He gave his life on Calvary and the blood that he shed covered our sin. And when he was laid in a borrowed tomb, he descended into hell, he defeated hell. He holds the keys He holds the keys to hell. He holds the keys to your freedom. 
So let me, I, I know this has been heavy, but let me give you the good news. There is hope. Stop letting the enemy shout condemnation at you and say you're worthless. You're trash because you've, you've given your body over to this or you've given your mind over to this. Stop letting the enemy shout that in your ear and listen to the still small voice of God that say, says, I love you. I died for you and I long to restore you. I think of the woman caught in adultery that he looked up and he said, has no one condemned you? No, master, they don't then neither do I. But go and sin no more. It takes the grace that can only come through Jesus Christ to break those those bonds of addiction and that sexual sin. But he says, go and sin no more. Let me tell you how that happens. You get help. You get help. Because at the name of Jesus, the enemy must flee. But you get help. There's got to be discipleship. There's got to be restoration. If you need help talking with a spouse, we'll help you do that. I so want you to walk in freedom, and I'm so tired of the enemy binding us up in this area because it's going to rob your... And if you're married now, you need to fight for your love life. If you're single, you need to fight for your love life because he's going to try to come in and distort God's view. I'm going I'm to pray for us here in a minute, and... and one thing I'm going to pray for is that what Jesus said in John 8, who whom the Son sets free is free indeed. There is freedom. There is hope. And that condemnation and the guilt and the shame that the enemy is heaping on you can be lifted off if you'll walk in his freedom. Our prayer room is open. Our freedom ministry is ready to talk to you in there. You can email. You can call me. I want to help you. It's time that we let we, we put the enemy in his place with this. Let's pray. Father, just right now, I know the enemy is working on so many people. I know that as soon as they saw these notes, that there, there was guilt and shame that started getting poured out on people. And Lord, throughout this, this whole teaching, the enemy has been screaming at them how worthless they are and been devaluing them in your sight. And I just pray right now, just first and foremost, in the name of Jesus, the enemy has to leave. That those those spirits and the bondage uh, and, and the spirit of lust must be let go from their lives because at the, the name of Jesus, every knee bows. The, those demons are subject to the power and authority of Jesus. So right now, we, we'd say, in the name of Jesus, they leave them alone. That they get out, there's no authority here. That you protect them. And Father, I pray that you give them the courage to say, Jesus, I need help. God, every time that they engage in the pornography or engage in sexual sin, they're praying for your forgiveness. But I pray you break them free. So it's not this habitual cycle of sin and repent, sin and repent, sin and repent, and abusing your grace. I pray you break them free. I pray that you help them just as as you have told us that we crucify that flesh, that it is dead. And Father, I pray that you kill that this morning, that you open the chains that have bound up marriages, 
I pray that you restore the intimacy that the enemy has stolen. I pray that you revive the romance that the enemy has killed in our marriages. And Father, that what the enemy has destroyed, you build up and you make it incredibly beautiful. Lord, I just pray for your wisdom. I pray for your courage in in all of our people this morning that they will say no more. That I want to walk in freedom and they will get help. Whether that's counseling, whether that's reach, however it is you call them to reach out. I pray, I pray, Father, that you lovingly and kindly lead them to repentance and restoration. We love you so much and pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Marine Creek Church is located in Fort Worth, Texas. If you have any questions, feel free to visit our website at www.marinecreekchurch.com. Thank you.